Good morning. My name is George Hinman, and it is good to be worshiping with you to get, uh, t- together with our family from a distance today, this third Sunday of Advent. We're going to be looking at the book of Revelation again. One of our children would never read a book without turning to the back of the book and reading the last few pages uh, because they don't want to invest all the time and emotional energy unless they know how the story ends. It's kind of a quirky thing, but you know what? We get to do that with the Bible. Um, The book of Revelation is the last book of the Bible. If you want, you can turn right to the very back before you read anything else and see how the story ends. Trouble is, it's a little bit hard to understand. It's It's a tough one. We read the book of Revelation half expecting to find Mad Max or zombies or the Statue of Liberty half buried in sand. Um, so, but you know, the word revelation or apocalypse, it, it, it doesn't mean catastrophe like we think in pop culture. It means uh, unveiling. And the book itself tells us in its very first words what it's about. It's about, the, uh, it says, a, a revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's about the unveiling of Jesus Christ. It, it, it's about seeing him more clearly. Uh, so it's worth our effort. It's particularly worth our effort this time of year because this is Advent season. Advent means coming. And the book of Revelation is about Jesus' coming. You know, he didn't just come once. He promises to come again. And the book of Revelation, indeed the whole Bible, ends with this promise of Jesus himself speaking, saying, see, I'm coming soon. That's a great promise. I'm coming soon. So we're adding figures to our collection of Advent characters. And today we're going to add another figure, the figure of a lamb. And I just want you to think about as we, as we see Jesus revealed to us as a lamb, what if this is true? What, what if he is coming back? How would that change the story of your life today in the middle of the story if you knew how it uh, would end? We don't know if he comes back in a thousand years or, or tonight, but his promise is faithful. He is coming soon. All right, let's open the Bible to the last book of the Bible, to Revelations chapter 21. And I would invite you to read with me the last few verses of that chapter. So verses 22 through 27. And when we're done reading, I'll say this is the word of the Lord, so that if you believe it, or are coming to believe it, or are struggling to believe it, you can say, thanks be to God. Listen carefully, you're hearing God's holy word. Revelation 21, verses 22 through 27. I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God is its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. People will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will enter it, nor anyone who practices abomination or falsehood, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord, this is a season of darkness. It certainly feels like it to us. And we pray that you'll shine the light of your word, which is the light of Jesus Christ, in our hearts as we worship him today. Speak to us, would you? For your servants are listening. In Christ's name, amen. 
It's a beautiful vision, isn't it? As you read this, you just want to picture it. A beautiful vision. Let me tell you, though, what it's a vision of. This is a vision of reconciliation. It's a vision of reconciliation. When we say reconciliation, what we mean is uh, uh, the overcoming of everything that disconnects us or divides us. To reconcile is to overcome what disconnects us. And we notice in this that uh, there's a vertical disconnection that's mended and a horizontal disconnection that's mended as well. There are always these two uh, dimensions. Uh, reconciliation with God and reconciliation with one another. We see both here. It's as though Jesus gives St. John a tour of the eternal city, and he, the first thing he does in the city is what any faithful Jew would do, which is look for the temple. In fact, if you went to Jerusalem today, that's probably what you would want to do as well, look for the temple. But there is no temple in this city. There is no need for the sacrificing of lambs, for the forgiveness of sin because reconciliation with God has already happened at this point in history. And he walks around and he passes by one, if not many, of the 12 gates. By the way, this is an enormous city as it's revealed to John, 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles. It's about the, the, the footprint of the whole Roman Empire at that time. It is 12 gates, uh, three in each of the four directions and as he looks through them, what he sees is kings coming. Kings who are leading the nations of the earth. Now that word nations, that's the word ethnos, from which we get our word ethnic. So he sees people of all different ethnicities coming from the four corners of the earth into the city. This is an international city. It's an international city. All these, and they're not coming as those who've been conquered. They're coming as those who are drawn and they bring their, the glory and, their, and the honor of their culture, of their ethnicity into the city. It's a beautiful picture of vertical and horizontal reconciliation. Now, you, you hear us talk about reconciliation a lot at UPC. If you're new, you're going to hear us talk about reconciliation quite a bit. Um, because we're, we're after what Jesus is doing. At UPC, we're joining Jesus in his mission to reconcile all people. That's what we do as a church. Basically, we want to gather people together and help them find God in Jesus Christ. This is our mission. And so the question for us today is, well, uh, how do we engage that mission? Look, here are people who are drawn by the light of the Lamb. That's this horizontal dimension. To kneel before God in the life of the Lamb. That's this vertical dimension. So how do we join in the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of reconciliation. Well, John seems to have two answers because notice in the text that, that the lamb has two ministries. There's a ministry uh, like a lamp and there's a ministry like a temple. And I'd like to just explore those two ministries with you today. First of all, Jesus has a ministry of light in our lives. It's the ministry of a lamp. If, if you want to engage in reconciliation, you need to have let Jesus have his ministry of light in your life. The thing about reconciliation, and it seems kind of obvious when I realized this recently, is that it assumes hostility. Reconciliation. It's kind of a battlefield word. It assumes hostility. It assumes a level of hostility in us. And what we're learning is that reconciliation isn't just about coming together and being physically near. 
It's about overcoming what has separated us. See, that, that's what reconciliation is about. So it needs to address the hostility, even the hidden hostility that's inside us. And this is what a lamp does. A lamp exposes darkness. Right? You turn a lamp on and it exposes. You see now. You see what was hidden in the dark. It exposes the darkness in ourselves. And actually, this is a good thing. Several years ago, there was an um, airport security screener who had to be disciplined at the Denver International Airport because when no one was looking, he put himself on the conveyor belt and went through the airport, the, the carry-on screening thing. I guess he was just curious what's inside of him. And we all are. And, and that's a good thing to be exposed. But it's also an uncomfortable thing. You know, like that moment when you come out of the movie theater, it's been a while now, but on a Saturday matinee, you come out and the light's there and you're like, oh, it just hurts. It hurts your eyes. You want to go back into the theater, watch another movie, right? It's uncomfortable to, to encounter brilliant light. Now, this is a theme for John throughout his writings. Uh, Paulie mentioned earlier, 1 John 1, 9. You know, if we say we have no sin, John writes, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful to cleanse us, forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's one of John's letters. And then earlier in in John's gospel here, it's a major theme for the book. How come if Jesus is the Messiah, not everybody welcomes him? How come if he's the light shining in the darkness, the darkness resists him? And John tells us in chapter 3, verse 20, well, all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. It's the words of Jesus. He says, I, I, you know, love, yeah, I'll take all that. You got peace, yeah, healing, yeah, I'll take all that, of course. Um, but light that shines on the darkness in my life, I'm not so sure I want that. Are you, are you telling me there's something wrong with me? Are, are you telling me that I don't even know what's good for my life? Are, are you telling me that I need to change? And, and, we, and we resist this, right? This is human nature, and this is what Jesus encountered. John, John understands this. This is, but the ministry of the light, of the lamb, is to shine in our lives. Notice, remember, this lamb that we see, that John sees in, in this eternal city, this lamb is the lamb who was slain. And, and the lamb was slain at the cross. And the cross is so important for our understanding of who we are. The cross just shows how far we will go as human beings to extinguish the light. But at the same time, the cross also shows just how far God will go to overcome the darkness, right? This is the ministry of light in the Lamb. Now, what we see is a lamp will expose us, but a lamp will also draw us. It withdraws. And this is what we see. The nations of the earth are being drawn by this light. They're being drawn not just to the Lamb, but they're being drawn together. It's like the old story about the guy who's lost his keys, you know, at night, and he's looking there, and the policeman says, uh, did you lose them right here? He says, no, I didn't lose them here. I lost them over at the other end of the block. Well, why are you looking here? Well, this, it, the light's better here, right? We, we look for that, for things where there's light. The thing about Jesus is he shines not just where it's convenient. He shines even in the dark places and the hidden places and the places that we'd rather not look. And it's in these places that the conflict resides And so he has to shine there. The book of Revelation, it's actually resistance literature. That's why there's so much code there, because this is a movement. This is a resistant movement uh, to the uh, oppression of Rome. They have to to use signs and figures. 
Because otherwise they get caught. And there is conflict in the story, and I'm not going to get us lost in the details of this, but there are two figures that are struggling with one another in, in the book of Revelation. And if you've tried to read it, you've, you've experienced one is the beast, the other is the lamb. There's this conflict for like 20 chapters between the beast and the lamb. And the point of that is that in, in the various cities to which Revelation was sent, it's kind of a letter, and there are seven cities, real cities, real people, ordinary people, just like you and me are living in these cities. They're living in two cultures at the same time. There's the culture of the beast and there's the culture of the lamb. And the culture of the beast, we think, probably represents Roman oppression and the powers of evil, Roman injustice. Peace, Pax Romana, they call it, at the edge of a sword. But the culture of the lamb is the culture of the peace that comes from a cross, a gentle lamb who was slain. These two cultures, they're in the city the cities to which this is sent originally, and they're in ourselves as well. So if, this, if, if, if we're going to change, if the city's going to change, then we need the light of the Lamb to shine on those places of conflict or places where you know, we become complicit with conflict. Maybe we didn't even cause it, but, but the way we live our life is complicit with the conflict. Or maybe we just become kind of complacent around the conflict. We just learn to live and make our peace in the city, even if it's not a peace for everybody. But see, as these, as these nations are coming together, they're coming together because there's a willingness in the presence of this lamb to be uncomfortable, to be seen, to see what we'd rather not see and to be seen with what we'd rather not see, to be exposed, the darkness in ourselves, to, to be exposed, the darkness in our city. And, and we're drawn to one another. This is, this is the light that draws the, the ethnos, the different ethnicities together to overcome what has divided us. Now, this is what we're doing at UPC. You know, we're over 100 years old, and this has been one of our values from the very beginning. We, we, we talk about global culture. It's one of our five values. But tr truthfully, historically, UPC has been more predominantly a white church uh, with northern European cultures, but God's doing a new thing. And it's such a wonderful thing. It's happening through our neighbors. It's happening through the University of Washington, through Kindred. It's happening through you as, as you become a part of this community. The color of UPC is changing in ways that reflect our future as John sees it in Revelation 21. But, it, it, you know, it's uncomfortable. It's, it's pushing us into lots of conversations that we might not ra rather have, right? Uncomfortable conversations, conversations that expose some of the complicity or complacency in our lives. And, and this is what I say. To those of us at UPC who are, who are white, you know, we hear a lot of talk these days about systemic racism. And you know, we could talk about what does that mean. But this is what I want to say. It's hard for some of us to understand systemic racism if we're white because we haven't seen it. To us, it's invisible. But here's what I've been learning as I've been walking with friends of mine that are, that are black or other ethnicities they see it really clearly, like every day. And I'm learning what it means to be black in America in ways that I hadn't before. I'm actually learning how it can be sometimes uncomfortable even to be black at UPC, right? And so it's important for us who are white to listen, to, to, to be willing to listen to the stories of others who have a 
different experience. And this is how the Lamb is speaking to us and bringing us into this, to this light because the Lamb might want to say, you know what, whether you know it or not, you, you, your life ends up being complicit with something that's been oppressive to other people. So I would say that to those of us who are white. To those of us who are people of color, this is what I, I would, would say to you. Uh, I barely understand, but I think I'm appreciating how tiring this moment is in our history. You, you're tired. You're tired of trying to help people see what they can't see or sometimes refuse to see. It's exhausting. And you're feeling hurt. And every time you're exposed to anti-black racism or racism or prejudice of any kind in our culture, it just hurts. And, and you've tried to explain this to people. You've tried to build relationships with people. Um, you've tried to build trust and you get hurt again and the vulnerability is just not rewarded. It's exhausting. The temptation though is to kind of withdraw to all of our own corners to be with our own people. If we do that, there's a level of complacency that resists the reconciliation of the lamb. So I want to say to all of us, we need to seek this light we need to allow it to draw us closer to the Lamb and closer to one another. It takes work. It'll make us uncomfortable. But ultimately, it's really, really good. It's really good. Jesus has a ministry of light in our lives. That's what the lamp does. Well, the second thing we need, I think, if we're going to join Jesus in his ministry of reconciliation, is we're going to have to receive a ministry of life from Jesus. He also has a ministry of life in our lives, and this is the temple ministry. You know, if if reconciliation requires exposure to the light, uh, the only thing that would make it safe to do so is forgiveness. Is forgiveness. We kneel before Jesus because there is no one else in our lives or in all of time and space who has the authority to say, truly say, you are are forgiven. I just, could you just let those three words sink in? Like, I need to let them sink into me. You are forgiven. I mean, to come into the light and to hear those words, this is where the joy comes from this time of year. This lion of Judah has become the lamb of God. Right? The lion has become a lamb. The lamb of Exodus that rescues God's people from the injustice of Egypt. This is the lamb of Yom Kippur who brings atonement with God. This is the lamb that John the Baptist points out in the early days of Jesus when he looks and he sees Jesus and he says, Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The lion's become a lamb. This uh, last week I my attention was snagged by an interview with an African-American professor from Smith College in Massachusetts. Her name is Loretta J. Ross. And uh, it was also a New York Times article about her recently. She, she says to her students, if you're going to need a trigger warning or safe space in this class, I'm just going to urge you to drop the course right now. And she makes this insight. She says, you know, I think we've forgotten these days the difference between feeling safe and being safe. I have been chewing on that for days. We've forgotten the difference between feeling safe 
and being safe. And it reminds me of Aslan, you know, the, the character in, in the Narnia Chronicles, the, the lion, I think it's Susan, when she realizes that, the, that uh, Aslan is a lion and not a man, she says, well, is he completely safe? And it's the beaver who says, oh, no, no, not at all. Not safe at all, but good. Never safe, but always good. Exposing the darkness. When we come to him, exposing the darkness, but only to forgive, only to heal, only to transform. The lamb. The lion has become the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we're drawn by this light. We're drawn by the light of the lamb to kneel before God in the life of the lamb. You see, this story tells us that he is the lamb and he offers forgiveness precisely and only because he offers his life for us. This is the language here of Isaiah 53. This is an image that comes from Isaiah 800 years before John. Phrases like this, all we like sheep have gone astray. It's probably familiar to you this time of year from Handel's Messiah, remember? All we like sheep have gone astray and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all on him. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, he poured himself out to death and was numbered with the transgressors. That's me. That's us. Yet he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. This is where we say in the chat, amen, right? I'm looking for amen. You are forgiven. I'm going to throw a couple of few hearts on there. Because that is good news, right? This is temple ministry. The lamb is a substitute. The lamb comes before God for us. There's an old Scottish tale, and you know, Presbyterians, they love it when I tell a Scottish story, so this is for you. There's an old Scottish tale about how the fox gets rid of his fleas. And apparently the way the fox does it, runs around the, along the hedge and picks up a, a little ball of wool from a lamb, puts it in his mouth, and the fox goes to the river, steps in very slowly into the river. As he does, the, the fleas go up his legs. Then his body goes under and, they, and the fleas scramble up to the head. And then everything but the mouth of the, of the fox holding the, the wool goes underwater. And all the fleas, they go into the wool as the fox submerges, lets it go. And then the wool carries the fleas down the river. See, it's the lamb. Uh, the iniquity of us all have been laid on him. It's so interesting to me these days. I don't think we know what to do with our sin anymore. Right? I mean, we don't even believe in sin. But here's the problem. If you don't believe in sin, how can you believe in forgiveness? I think about the debates that we're having about our monuments. You know, it's in, they're interesting conversation. What do we do with our Civil War era and other monuments as well that we have in America? I mean, there's some, we have slave owners and they're just bad people and we go, let's get rid of them and that's easy. But there are a number of them that just sort of seem mixed to us. And we're like, what do we do with that? We see real nobility in this person but we also see injustice in this person. And so what do we do with the monuments? And it's an interesting question, but what concerns me is if we don't know what to do with that mixture of nobility and injustice in a statue, what are we going to do with it in ourselves? Right? That same mixture of nobility and injustice is in me. 
and it's in you as well. I, I think about my own past. There are, there are moments in my life where I think I have a flashback to something I did, maybe last week, maybe years ago, and I'm haunted by it. And you know, you cannot change the past, but here's what you can do, and I hope you know this. You can bring your past to Jesus, and he will forgive. And oh, the joy of knowing you are forgiven. That's what we find when we come and kneel before this lamb. He's given his life for me and for you. We are forgiven. It's at this moment that we know our sin has been nailed to the cross. Our sin has been buried in the depths of the sea. It's been carried off by the lamb. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's what the scripture says. No condemnation. You are forgiven. And so we have a choice, friends. We have a choice. We can walk in the dark. I'm hearing music. Oh my gosh, that's my timer. Just give me a couple more minutes. We can walk in the dark or we can come and kneel in the light. And you may notice if you read this text carefully in verse 27, there are, there are some people who are outside the gate of this eternal city. They, they, they choose not to enter into the gates of the Lamb's city. And, and that, that will happen. I, I like what Miroslav Volf says about, about this. He says, God will judge, not because God gives people what they deserve, but because some people refuse to receive what no one deserves. If evildoers experience God's terror, it will not be because they have done evil, but because they have resisted to the end the powerful lure of the open arms of the crucified Messiah. That's Miroslav Volf, Yale theologian. Resisted to the end the powerful lure of the open arms of the crucified Messiah. Well, so we have a choice, right? If you haven't yet come to, into the open arms of the crucified Messiah, then I, I just beg you, come now. Come now. This whole moment, your whole life, like a set of dominoes, has been arranged for this moment. Jesus is calling you into his arms. Come now and kneel. Come and kneel at the foot of the cross. Come and kneel with me. You may even choose to kneel right now wherever you are to kneel before your Savior Jesus Christ as a sign that you give your life to him. Come and kneel with us at UPC, this community that's struggling to become more multi-ethnic. Come and kneel before the nations of the earth who will one day all kneel before the one who is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. If you'd like to do this, Please uh, open up another browser, or navigate over to upc.org slash Jesus and click the spiritual advisors button. I tell you, right now, we have people who are praying for you on the other side of that button. We've chosen some of our friendliest people. They're warm, they're confidential, and they, believe it or not, they really want to talk to you about your faith. So please come to the spiritual advisor uh, button there. It says there's a Zoom call and they want to talk with you. People, drawn by the light of the Lamb, kneel before God in the life of the Lamb. 
That's the ministry of the Lamb. That's reconciliation with God and with one another. The vertical and the horizontal. You know, they say when Christ was born, the beast raised its ugly head. Rome's client king, his name was Herod at the time, rose up in, in a maniacal fit of genocidal ethnic, ethnic cleansing. He slaughtered the children of Bethlehem. Tragic ethnic cleansing. But they also say that there was a light that rose in the sky. And there were kings who came from faraway nations beyond Israel. They came to the light of its rising. And when they saw that light stop over Bethlehem, stop over a child who had come into the world, they knelt down and worshiped. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you've brought us to this moment right now. You've lured us to this moment with your light so that we could kneel in worship. Kneel in wonder because we have a lot of things we don't understand about what you're doing and have done. Kneel in adoration because even with everything we don't know, we are just drawn by the beauty of this story, by the power of your love, by the recognition of our need for forgiveness <laughs> and our growing conviction that it is available, that we are forgiven. Grant us this Christmas season, this dark moment in your creation, the fullness of the light of Christ. In his name we pray, amen.